Let's start off in uh, Luke eleven thirteen. Luke eleven thirteen, and we've before the week of increase, we spent two or three weeks talking about building your own faith, and to where you don't, to where you're not dependent on the faith of others. Going to shift gears tonight and talk about the Holy Spirit, because we're in this series. We're still in this series on faith and prayer. The Holy Spirit belongs to you. Say it out loud. The Holy Spirit belongs to me. Because Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, of course, only sons and daughters would ever think to ask him. And you are his child. I imagine being here on a Wednesday night, right? You are his child. You have received his very nature. You are as much his child as Jesus was when he walked and taught and preached and healed in Galilee. That's, that's even getting that out of my mouth, it's a little bit of a challenge. I think, you know, Paul, Paul warned about people thinking more highly of themselves than they ought. But the opposite is also true. We ought not think less of ourselves than we ought. But, but when I say that, I'm not talking about being an egomaniac. I'm talking about in Christ. And I'm talking about dealing with the forces of evil. We'll get to that. So you are his child. Say it out loud. I am, I am. His, very own child. his very own child. When I wrote the book, God's Very Own Child, T.L. Osborne loved the title. And I think that's part of the reason he did the forward for us but we are his very own children. So you have a right to his Holy Spirit. You can ask him to come in and make his home in your spirit man, make his home inside of you. Now, I, I didn't really intend to go down this path, but when we're born again, we have a measure of the spirit inside of us that quickens the spirit man and makes us alive unto God, a recreated person in Christ Jesus. But that is not the same as being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we know that from the book of Acts, because subsequent to them receiving Jesus or Christ as their Lord and Savior, subsequent to them being born again, they had this other experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, by the way, I mean, I didn't mean to go down this path, but every time it's recorded in the book of Acts, uh, it was accompanied by a particular sign. There are several signs of the Holy Spirit listed in the New Testament. One of them is speaking in other tongues, a heavenly language, and people have trouble with that. People have trouble with all kinds of things. I have disciplined myself to just go by what the Word of God says, and a lot of times, we don't know how to pray. That's the bottom line. How do we pray about this? How do we pray about that? What in the world do I say? And that's where this gift is tremendously important because when we don't know how to pray about a particular situation, we can trust the Holy Spirit to pray through us. Now, related to this, we need to get this cemented in our minds that God will perform his every word. The word of God 
is more sacred to God than it is to us. I know that for sure. Just in my lifetime, everything has gone to heck. And it is all because the preachers in the United States of America gave up the Word of God. They gave up the Bible. And I don't think living here, you understand the impact we have on the rest of the world. I mean, you just cannot comprehend the impact sitting here that we have on the rest of the world. Uh, they watch our movies. They watch our TV shows. Uh, they think America's the greatest, the best. So whatever's going on here, they want to do that. And so this is part of how the media, the billionaires, Hollywood, has exported this whole anti-Christ thing all over the world because people are tuned into what we're doing. They're tuned into our music. Amen. I watched an interview once where they asked Paul McCartney, you know, when you sing, do you want to dance? Why did you sing it in American English? And he said, to sell records. Nobody wants to hear, do you want to dance? You know, in other words, it's a, it, the American thing is what shoots all around the world. So when these preachers gave up the Bible to be cool, and why did they do that? Well, because they hired consultants. And the consultants went to the mall and talked to a bunch of lost people. And the consultants asked lost people at the mall, what do you like about church? What do you not like about church? And so, of course, lost people, what would lost people not like about church? The Bible. Because, well, you know, it offends me. Well, of course it offends you because you're a sinner. So, see, the point is not to get rid of the Bible. The point is to get saved. Then the word doesn't offend you. Actually, when you get saved, then you can read this and it lights up. It's illuminated, right? Let me say something about the Bible. It is amazing. The words are the same words you might find in a book or a magazine, but the order. Have you ever thought about this? Why is it you can think of a phrase of three or four words and Google them and you find the scripture? Because the order in which God spoke these words to holy men of old is so particular. You know, if, if you type in some phrase, you're looking for something, you'll, you'll get pages and pages and pages and pages of results, and now none of it is what you were looking for. But if you type in, all authority has been given, boom. It's the first or second entry. Why is that? Because there's nothing like the Word of God. There's nothing like the Bible. Amen? Amen. And God will perform His every word. David said in Psalm 119, 160, the whole Psalm, of one, Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 160, David wrote all your words are true. So how much of it's true? All. 
all your words are true, all your righteous laws are eternal, which completely contradicts the modern heresy, that, which is antinomianism, that every moral law, rule, or regulation, Old or New Testament, has been set aside. This is ridiculous because how about where Paul wrote, those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, it's a ridiculous concept that every moral rule, law, or regulation has been set aside. And David wrote, all your words are true, all your righteous laws are eternal. In other words, it's never been okay to murder, it's not okay to murder, and it's not ever going to be okay to murder. It's, not, it's never been okay to covet your neighbor's wife. It's not okay to covet your neighbor's wife. It's not ever going to be okay to covet your neighbor's wife. See, that's what D David's saying. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. And these modern preachers would have you believe that God is changing just like the platform of one of these political parties. God is not. The standards of God are not changing because he wrote in his word, I am the Lord, and I change not. If he could change his moral code from generation to generation, how could he change his moral code from generation to generation without him changing? And he can't, but he can't change. So his rules, David says, all your righteous laws are eternal. In the King James it reads, thy word is true from the beginning. Remember what Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Now, of course, people have prejudices. I'm listening to a couple of Kenneth Hagin messages. I'm talking about the Kenneth Hagin that went to be with the Lord in 2003 that I'd never listened to before. And there, one is on how does sickness come? The second one in that series is don't blame God. And I had never heard this from him. But he got healed, if I remember right, when he was 17. He had a malformed heart. He had a blood disease. He was on his deathbed for months on end. He was healed. But he lived in fear that it would come back. And he was actually reading a Lillian B. Yeoman book. And through that book, got revelation. If you look that up, they took four of her books Combined it into one volume. You can get it on Amazon. Lillian B. Yeoman. Y-E-O-M-A-N. She was an MD in the World War I era. She was actually a, a volunteer MD during World War I. She worked on curing typhoid fever. But it was actually by reading her book, it came to him, he saw that God is not the author of sickness. God is not the author of disease. God's not the author of poverty. God's not the author of any of this. All of this came into being when Adam sold out, gave his authority, handed his authority over to Lucifer in the garden because, and how did he do that? By violating the one law that God gave him. God gave him one law, you know, and I know there's there, historically among theologians, there's speculation how long they were in the garden. Well, it probably wasn't more than a few hours or a few days. And how did Satan get him out of the garden? He lied to him. That's how Satan is wrecking lives today. I mean, <laughs> he's had a lot of experience dealing with man, but his methodology has basically not evolved or changed 
at all. He's a liar. And uh, whatever it is he's lying about, he's lying. You know, you're a man, you're a woman. No one loves you, no one cares. Whatever is coming out of his mouth. He's like, he's like the ultimate politician. How do you know when Satan's lying? When his lips are moving. And a lot of times he, he speaks to us. I guess you would call it telepath, telepathy. He puts thoughts in our minds. But a lot of times he speaks to us through friends. He speaks to us through the people we're talking to. That's why Jesus said, be careful how you listen. Sitting here tonight, this is rugged. But sitting here tonight, your life is the result of who you have chosen to listen to. One, one day years ago, this was years ago, we were dropping a car off for service and we went up and ate at a restaurant we used to eat at sometimes in South Lake. And Sue and Austin and I had dropped this car off and we were on our way home, but we stopped for lunch. And Austin was a young man before he was married and he was just freaked out because next to us were these housewives of Southlake and they were all talking about, you know, how they were spending their husband's money while their husbands were out working and their jewelry and their cars and all of this type stuff, you see. And uh, people just get in this mindset and this mentality that it's all about things that to a Christian shouldn't, ought not matter. In other words, we, we enjoy stuff, but we're not scheming and plotting and maneuvering and conniving to get stuff out of somebody. Does that make sense? All right. But the thought that occurred to Austin in that point, in that lunch, and the reason I bring it up is that how women like that could influence a newlywed wife. In other words, these are old, hard, crusty, you know, users. But what if, what if some young, naive, young gal got around that? See, in other words, ideas are infectious. And so sitting here tonight, you're, you're the result. Your net worth is the result. Your income is the result. We know from 2020, 2021, 2022, your health is the result of who you have chosen to listen to. So that's why Jesus said, be careful how you listen. We have to pay attention to what we're listening to. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Jesus said in John 17, 17, praying to the Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus himself said, what about the word of God? Jesus himself said to the Lord, his Father, thy word is truth. And Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 1, 12, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. God says, I am watching to see. So that's why, I think it was two August, two years ago, August, when I taught on prayer, people might be amazed at how I use the written word of God in prayer. Well, when I read a scripture like this, 
the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. I say to myself, well, what's he listening for? I don't remember the reference, but it says somewhere in the Bible to attend to his word. And this thought has often come to me that if he tells us to attend to his word, you know, if you bumped into somebody tomorrow and uh, they wanted to stop and chat and you said, look, I'd love to stop and have coffee with you, chat, but I have this matter that I have to attend to. So when, when God says, attend to his word, it means it's a priority. I must attend to his word. This is something I must attend to. All right, so if God says to us that we should attend to his word, it's always on my mind, what's God doing? He's attending to his word. Here Jeremiah says, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The Amplified says, I am watching over my word to perform it. Isn't that amazing? God says, I am watching over my word to perform it. This is on my mind every day, every morning. He's, he, he's not saying, I'm watching over your theories, your ideas, and your opinions to perform them. He's saying, I am watching over my word to perform it. And this has greatly influenced the way I pray. And I put as much word in my prayers as I can. And then sometimes the Lord himself will tell me to add something in. And so on every point of prayer, when I say I believe I receive it, then I quote where the word says, it just flew out of my head. I do everything according to your word. I obey your commands and I do everything according to your word. My heart does not condemn me and I have confidence before you. There it is. I knew it would come. My heart does not condemn me. I have confidence before you because I obey your commands and do what pleases you. You can find the reference. You know why? Just three or four words, Google it. You'll have it because the word of God is so particular. There's nothing like the word of God. Thank you, Father God. I believe I receive it because, and my heart does not condemn me because I obey your commands and I do what pleases you. He told me to throw that in. So I throw it in. Amen. I put as much word as I can in my prayers. Why? Because God says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. And this is his message to you. He is the lover speaking to his beloved and saying, do you want the Holy Spirit to make his home in you? Do you want the Holy Spirit to make his home in your spirit man? And if you do, just invite him in. That's all you have to do. Just invite him in. He's standing at the door and he's awaiting your invitation. And if you ask him in, he will enter. And then he will guide you into the reality of the finished work that has been wrought by Christ. He leads us. He guides us. You know, I don't consider myself a very spiritual person. But I have built my life on the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. I have literally built my life on the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. And he's led me to this place. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about sowing and reaping as we've been teaching on Sunday mornings, the miracle of seed faith giving. I am talking about that, but I'm not just talking about that. When I look in the rearview mirror, 
and the mistakes I've made hiring people, every one of them, there was something scratching on the inside of me telling me not to hire them. It's amazing. Every time, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredibly rare thing that I ever get sick. But in my lifetime, nearly every time I've gotten sick, it's because I did something stupid. And when I did something stupid, there was a voice on the inside of me scratching, saying, you need to put on a warmer jacket, or you need to get out of these wet clothes, or whatever it was. And we, we ignore his voice at our peril. If you're here tonight and you're single, don't ignore his voice at your peril. Amen. Because, you know, if, if you buy the wrong dog, well, you can give it away. If you buy the wrong car, well, you can trade it. But you marry the wrong person, now you got a problem. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about you, though, you that are married. I'm talking about you that are single. Amen. <laughs> if you're married, well, case closed. Praise God. More than that, you can confidently say his righteousness is mine, for I have been made unto him the righteousness of God in Christ. See, we're not, and so people always complain about this stuff, and they say, well, Isaiah says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And my answer is always this. You're exactly right. Isaiah was right. The word of God is right. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, but we're not, we're not walking in our righteousness. We're not... We're not having confidence in our righteousness. We're having confidence in his righteousness. We have become the righteousness of God in Christ. What do you do with your children? What do you do with your children? You know, they make a mess, they break a glass. What do you do with your children? You love them, you squeeze them, you hug them, you know. You tell them accidents happen. We love you. Don't worry about it. But yet we have this image of God that he's standing over us with a whip ready to do something to us. If we fail him or make a mistake or deliberately sin, let's face it. He's our father. He loves us. Amen. Remember the language of Jesus talking about Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I long to gather you as the hen gathers its chicks. In other words, he was saying, how often have I longed to put my arms around you? Amen. Just picture your children or your grandchildren. That's his attitude towards us. He, he, wants, he wants to gather us and hold us like you would a child or a grandchild. Amen. See, people have the wrong idea. And if you have the wrong idea about God, well, it messes everything up and it's hard to pray effectively. I mean, if you think God is there with a whip waiting for you to commit some infraction so he can put some kind of disease on you, well, of course you're messed up. And then people get upset when we don't have that worldview. You know, he's my father. Amen. You know, I've had people contact to say, I wish he'd stop saying that. Well, he's my father. He's more a father to me than my father ever was, I'll tell you that. And he's willing to share. That's actually what pulled me into this. The, when, I first heard, when I first heard these Word of Faith preachers talking about how he was willing to share, I was mesmerized. <coughs> and I, I went home and I studied the Word of God. 
And then when I began working it and he began sharing with me, well, that was it. I was hooked. Somebody might say that's selfish. No, that's intelligent. Amen. You know, Sue's crazy about me. Do I, do I feel bad she's crazy about me? No, I enjoy it. Right? 46 years and counting. And it, be, and it beats the heck, heck out of me. I ask her sometimes, aren't you tired of me yet? I'm so boring. Oh, no, 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 I love you. You know, well, God, as much as a human being could love you, God loves you more. As much as a human being could love you, God loves you more. And one thing I'll tell you about God, there's no phileo love in it. In other words, he loves us with an everlasting and an unconditional love. He's wonderful. So he, he says in the Amplified, Jeremiah 1.12, I'm watching over my word to perform it. And he has made us the righteousness of God in Christ. So we can say, I have become through the new birth, the very righteousness of God in Christ. You can confidently say, my righteousness is as good as Jesus' righteousness because my righteousness is Jesus' righteousness. You can say, my righteousness is, ju is just as good as what Paul or Peter or John had, no one has ever had a better righteousness than I have. Now we have trouble with this. Even when, even when I'm saying these words, we have trouble with this. And part of it is this old stinking thinking that it all went out when the last apostle died. This is utter, absolute nonsense. Have you ever wondered about this? How is it you get to the book of Acts and people that were never mentioned in the four Gospels are stars in the book of Acts. Barnabas, Philip. I mean, it's amazing. People you never read about in the four Gospels, but after, and now I'm tying it back to where we started, after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit of God, they became superstars in the book of Acts. How could that happen? How could there be people in the book of Acts that never knew Jesus and became apostles? How could that happen? And where in the word of God does it say the last apostle has died? Sitting here tonight, you should know that's not true. Where does it say in the word of God now, at such and such a time, signs and wonders and miracles will cease. Prejudices will wreck you. I said prejudices will wreck you. Amen. So our righteousness is just as good as what Paul or Peter or John had. No one has ever had a better righteousness than what you have because their righteousness was the righteousness of God in Christ and your righteousness is the righteousness of God in Christ. See, that scripture I quoted, I think that's out of 1 John. My heart does not condemn me because I obey your commands and do what pleases you. The, the key to the whole thing in prayer is for your heart to not condemn you when you approach him. Amen. It changes everything. But if you, if you, have, <laughs> if you have a wrong perspective of God or you have a wrong perspective of you as a believer in God, well, then your heart condemns you before you ever start. When we realize this, faith's no, no longer a problem.
It's no longer a problem. People, people my whole lifetime, they've run around trying to get more faith, go to this conference, get on a jet, go to that conference. The difference for us, the difference for us was we didn't just hear it and hear it and hear it and go in one ear and out the other ear. The difference for us was we took action on it. And when you take action on the Word of God, you get traction. When you take action on the Word, it's like putting chains on your tires in the winter. You know, it's like you were sliding and slipping, but now you got traction. Because you're, just not, you're not just hearing it, you're doing it. Amen. And that's what James says, 122. But be doers of the Word of God and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. People go to this conference, they hear all this stuff. Well, glory. And then they go to that conference, they hear all this stuff, you know, hallelujah, but they don't take action. They don't walk in it. They don't walk in it. I could tell you stories, but then you would, you would think, man, he's crazy. But I try this stuff out. Commanding his creation. You know, we need to work on this and command rain. I said, I mean, if Jesus were here in North Texas, would he let it be this dry? So we have been letting down. I said, we have been letting down. Why don't we go to work on that? Anytime but Sunday morning. Amen. I'm serious. Uh, 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 He funny. No, 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 I'm not trying to be funny. We have authority that we know not of, and we have authority in Christ You're not trying to prophesy your neighbor's money into your bank account. We're not trying to take anything from anybody, right? But those clouds are moving all the time. Well, why can't they just move over us? Amen. Amen. We saw it from from satellite, from space, years ago. We hadn't been in this building that long. There was a tornado coming from the west directly to Faith Christian Center, and when it was all, we were at lunch, we were coming back, and you know, there's this tornado headed to the church. And when it was all said and done, you could see it from space, from, from the satellites, that it got out here about a quarter of a mile from the church, and it changed direction, and it, it went north of our property. It didn't do anything to us. Somebody might say, you don't believe that. Yeah, I do. Amen, because we had just moved in here. We didn't have time to fix anything. You know what I'm saying? And, it, it, and then we had children in the building. It just bypassed us. You know what it did? You know what it did? It went right on by. Amen. Amen. Well, yeah, but what about those other folks? They need to get saved. <laughs> Amen. So when we realize all of this, faith is not a problem. Our, added be, our attitude should be the word is mine. The Holy Spirit is mine. Jesus is mine. God is my very own father. Say it out loud. God is my very own father. father. The righteousness of God is my righteousness, and I stand complete in the righteousness of God in Christ. Our confession should be, I'm a new creation created in Christ Jesus. All the rights and privileges of a child of God are mine. I don't have to ask for them because they were conferred on me. When I became his child, all these things were a part of the new creation, so I enter into my rights. Now let's switch gears again and talk about 
how we don't have to fight the devil. One of the greatest blessings, one of the most wonderful facts is that Satan was defeated for us. In those two messages I had never heard before, I'm in this series now in, in the vehicles, Kenneth Hagin talks about how that from the time he was healed, he lived in fear that, that this stuff would come back upon him. But by reading books by Lillian B. Yeoman, Y-E-O-M-A-N, it dawned on him that God is not the source of sickness. God is not the source of disease. Well, then it just changed his whole attitude, you see, because if we think God is the source of sickness and disease, well, we all know we've sinned, right? First John says that if, we, if, we, if a man says he has no sin, uh, then he's, he's a liar, which makes him a sinner, right? So we all know that we have missed it. We all know that we have sinned. We all know that we have come short. Well, if you see sickness or disease as coming from God the Father, well, you can live in dread and fear because you don't know at what given point in time you're going to fail him, sin, mess up, miss it, and then he's going to punish you. But once you see, and it's not that hard to see, John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy but Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have that life more abundantly. The NIV says to the full. Well, once you, begin to, once you begin to understand that God is not the author of sickness. God is not the author of disease. God is not the author of lack. God is not the author of want. God is not the author of poverty. Once you begin to see this, well, then you can deal with the devil. See, if you think God's messing you up, how do you deal with that? But once you see that these are not the works of God, these are the works of Satan, well, now you can deal with that. And we're going to give you some scriptures on that. One of the greatest blessings, one of the most wonderful facts is that Satan was defeated for us. Say it out loud. Satan was defeated for us. Jesus' victory over Satan is our victory. When we were redeemed in Christ, that redemption was out of the hand of the enemy. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, what tense is that? Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And Colossians 1.13 and 14, for he has rescued us. What tense is that? For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I like the King James who hath delivered us. Say it out loud, I've been delivered. See, if you have been delivered, how much effort do you need to put into getting delivered? None. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us. Say it out loud, I've been delivered and I've been translated. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So we've been translated out of the kingdom of Satan and we have been translated into the kingdom of the Son of God's love in whom we have our redemption complete and perfect. And this is one of the reasons it's so egregious to look to a political party or government to fix stuff. How much time in Jesus' short ministry did he spend dealing with Herod? How much time 
Which one did he call that old fox? Was it Herod? That, that's the only reference I'm even aware of in the four Gospels about a politician coming from the mouth of Jesus. Now, should we, are you saying we shouldn't vote? No, you got to hold your nose and go in there and do the best you can. But I'm saying to put your faith and to put your trust and to put your confidence. No, 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 no. Because this, these are snipe hunts. They're not gonna, they're, you're going after a unicorn. You're, you're looking for something that doesn't exist. See, and, and I don't know if you've figured it out. You know, I, every day I go, I go outside every day and I tell them I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad that in my lifetime it all went to hell. But I tell them I'm just one man and I'm doing my best to hold the line. And I, I'm grieving, I'm mourning because the preachers gave up the Bible and everything went to heck. It all went to heck. You understand? So I grieve for that. I mourn. It's a heartbreak. I mourn for our land. And everybody thinks, you know, you know, make America great again. Look, when things happen that are good, you know, have you ever watched something die? When something is in the throes of death, it twitches. And that's what these are. These are twitches in the throes of death. It's a heartbreak. It's a heartbreak. Breaks my heart. That my, my grandchildren will never know the country I grew up in. It's a heartbreak. There's nothing I can do about it. All I can do, that's why we teach and preach prosperity. Because if you have a little, if you have a few coins, you can protect yourself. You can live in a safe neighborhood. You understand? You know, if you, if you, if all you can afford is a room rental by the hour in Detroit for your vacation, that's not safe. See, but if you can go somewhere safe, see, and what does it take to go somewhere safe? It takes some money. Do you understand? So we can try and protect our families. We can try and protect our children, but change the culture? No. Change the world? No. The Antichrist is coming. And all we can do is hold the line and do the best we can to protect our families, protect our homes, protect, protect uh, you know, our net worth uh, versus those 85,000 IRS agents. Just do the best we can. Amen. That's why you got to have lawyers. And just do the best we can. You understand? While we await the coming of the Lord. Amen. Now, we're doing the works of Jesus. We're giving altar calls. You know, we're praying for people that want to pray the prayer of salvation, watching us online. Who knows where they are in the world? But we're, we're, doing, we're doing what we can. Do you understand? But change the course of a nation, change the course of history. Change. No, these are all pipe dreams. Our business, see, and, and the more God's people are into that, they're not into winning people to Jesus. The more they're into that, they're not into getting people saved, healed, delivered, and set free. 
And I don't know if you've noticed, but everything is more divisive than ever. So when you get into that, you're a divisive person. Thing to do is just stay with the word of God and stay with the mission. Can I get an amen? amen? He's delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son, the kingdom of his dear son. So we've been translated out of the kingdom of Satan and into the kingdom of the son of the father's love in whom we have redemption, complete and perfect. So we don't have to wage war to conquer Satan because Satan's already been conquered. Say it out loud. I don't have to wage war to conquer Satan. Say it. I don't have to wage war to conquer Satan because he's already been conquered. That'd be like trying to go out and fight World War II. It's already done. Our confessions should be Satan was conquered for me. Satan knows that he was conquered for me. So I take my deliverance from him and I take my victory over him in Jesus' holy name and I do so with thankfulness. Our confession should be, I know that Satan is the author of disease and confusion and suffering. And I know that Jesus said, in my name, you shall cast out devils. When Jesus said that, he was talking to me. He was talking to me personally. See, whatever's going on in your home, you're it's there because you're allowing it. I said, whatever's going on in your home is there because you're allowing it. Jesus said, in my name, you shall cast out devils. So do you understand what this means to you? It means that personally, it means that you personally rule Satan and his works. Now, I'm talking about you and your life and your body and your home. That does not mean we can cast the devil out of Austin, Texas. That, wouldn't it be great if we could cast the devil out of Washington, D.C.? I guess there'd be nobody living there if we did that. The point is, we're talking about you and your body and your home and your family and those who live in your home. It means that you personally rule Satan and his works. It means that demons are subject to you. It means that just as demons and diseases and physical needs and financial needs were subject to Jesus, all are subject to you and they're subject to me. Now listen to what I'm saying. It means just as demons and diseases and physical needs and financial needs were subject to, to Jesus, they're subject to you and they're subject to me. Now, if you have a problem with the words that just came out of my mouth, you need to do more renewing the mind to the word of God. We have authority. Remember how Jesus paid Peter's taxes? Remember how Jesus fed the multitudes? Remember how Jesus walked upon the sea? Remember how Jesus turned water into wine? Well, Jesus has now turned over to you this same authority over the adversary. I'm running out of time, so we'll go with that next week. All right, pastor, if what you're saying is true, if, if, if demons and diseases and physical needs and financial needs are just as subject to us as they were to Jesus, then why do we not see that happening in our lives? And the answer is, we don't have it because we don't walk in it. We don't have it because we don't walk in it. We don't have it because we don't walk in it. You have to learn to be very, extremely, radically proactive. Kenneth Hagin Sr., the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to tell the story about how that he hadn't had a headache in 50-something years. 
and he said he was pulling out of school one day and, and a, I mean, a, a terrible headache hit him. And he said, oh, no, you don't. I don't get headaches. And by the time he got to the stop sign, it was gone. See, that's what I'm talking about. Immediate, proactive, take action. And because Satan is a squatter. Once you, you need to understand, Satan is a squatter. And so he, he wants to get in and squat. And what's a squatter? Somebody who takes up residence where they don't belong. And a squatter, so he, he, wants to, he wants to get into your body. He wants to get into your marriage. He wants to get into your relationship with your children. He wants to get into your children. He wants to wreak havoc. And the problem is when we leave him in there any length of time at all, Somehow he strengthens his position. It's almost like a military strategy. So you have to learn to be proactive. You have to learn to take immediate action. I know what I'm talking about because, <laughs> you know, I put a lot of wear and tear on this body. Uh, you know, I come out of the weight room. Sue says, you've been in there beating that old man up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and so a pain can hit. Oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have any right, any authority, any rule in my body. Amen. See, what I'm saying is, and, and there are things that I wish I had known this. I wish I had known this sooner because he's a squatter. We shouldn't have any trouble understanding this. Half the, half the country out here thinks that your stuff is theirs. Am I right? And so that's the way Satan looks at it. Your body's his, your children are his, your marriage is his, your house is his, your money is his. No, it's not. And so we need to learn how to take immediate proactive action and run him out. Do you understand? My son-in-law put up some no trespassing signs for us. And, and I asked him about that. I said, well, what good does that do? He says, well, if anybody squats, it's easier to get rid of them. Now he's working on putting a gate up. I said, why do we need a gate? There's nothing there. Well, you know, if there's a gate and it says no trespassing, it's a lot easier to get rid of them. See, and so I applied that thinking to my life. And then I just read the book of Job in my annual Bible reading. And, and the devil actually complained to God. I can't get to Job because you have put a hedge of protection around him. But now, wait a minute. Don't get too excited. That's Old Testament language. And if you think God's going to put a hedge of protection around you, you're not, you, you haven't studied and meditated on the word enough. You are a new creation in Christ. And he gave, we're going to get to this next Wednesday, he gave you the authority. So if you're standing around, well, I, I sure wish the Lord would do something, well, you are going to have a long wait. So you have been put in the driver's seat. You are the prophet of your life. You are the master of your destiny. He has given you authority so you can put a hedge of protection around your body, your home, your family. Amen. 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 Every so often I walk this property. 
you might be horrified how I pray. And some of it's not even prayer. Some of it's exercising authority. Angels of God. If anyone sets foot on this property with evil in their heart to harm a child on our property or harm a human being on our property, angels of God, kill them. I, I walk around Austin's property and I do that. I walk around our property and I do that. We have authority. Well, I just don't believe that. Well, you know, then get a gun. I'm saying we have authority. I was at a gas station on a turnpike in Florida and a very nefarious looking person approached me and I said, no, you don't. And they, then they kept coming. I said, no, you don't. And he looked above me and then turned and walked off. Now, what did he see? I don't know what he saw, but I, I, I know I said, no, you don't. Austin and I were crossing the street in New Orleans. Three guys were coming right at us. And I said to them, no, you don't. I don't even know that they heard me because I'm not really talking to them. I'm talking to the spirits pushing them, driving them. Do you understand? I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. So we need to take immediate, proactive action and not allow the devil to get a foothold because that's what he wants. He wants a foothold. In military terms, it's like a beachhead. He, he, you know, it's like the Normandy landing. And he wants, to, he wants to get on your beach and then squat until you give up, quit, roll over. And then talking about my debt, my pain, my surgery, my condition. See, and once you, see, name it, claim it doesn't just work in the, in the positive. Name it, claim it works in the negative. And once it comes out of your mouth, then you own it. And his mission's accomplished. So we have to say what the word says. I'm the blessed and healed of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud. I'm the blessed and healed, blessed and healed of Almighty God. Almighty God. Amen. Jesus took up my infirmity. Say it. Jesus took up my infirmity and bore my diseases. And with his stripes, I have been healed. And then, you know, if it's just dragging a little bit, just go to dancing and, and quote Jeremiah. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I'll be saved. For you are the one I praise, O Lord. You are the one I praise. Go to Deuteronomy 7, 15. He, he delivers me for, he keeps every disease. He, he delivers me from every disease. Every disease. That kind of covers everything, doesn't it? Yeah. 715. Amen. Amen. And speak the word over your life because you have authority. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I've got the authority. Got the authority. Tell the neighbor on the other side, I've got the authority. 